series at the moment uh, called Everyday Habits, just to set the scene. And it's, uh, I think it's a really timely series to be bringing out and to talking to people. Because, you know, we're in mid-September now. Christmas is still just that bit too far away. And so we're starting to flag. You know, you're starting to, you're in your routine. You're just, you're on autopilot getting from day to day, week to week. So this is a, a chance just for us to be a bit more deliberate and take a bit of stock about where we're at at the moment and, uh, and what's going to get us through to the rest of the year and a, a really healthy relationship with God. And we're going to start today talking about prayer and having an everyday prayer habit. Because prayer and fellowship are two of the greatest weapons we have in our, our spiritual arsenal. Right? Being in that constant communication with God, being in a relationship with one another, being able to draw on each other's strengths, um, that's what's going to get us over the line. So today we're going to start with uh, everyday prayer. And even though there are about six people here today, all right, uh, looking around, it's the sort of topic where some people can, can switch off, all right? You're either saying, sure, I know I need to do everyday prayer, don't beat me up about it, I'm just, I'm, I'm just getting from day to day, brother, I hear you. Um, there's some people who may just be in a good place right now, all right, and that's fantastic, that's an incredible uh, a blessing from God, it's a testament to yourselves, you're just getting on. And maybe you don't feel the need to be taking time out each day. Or maybe it's just not one of your, your top priorities. But I would suggest, based on my own experience, that a lot of you here right now are going, I hear you. You just don't understand how busy I am. All right? I try. I know I need to do it. I know it's important. I know it's valuable. But, mate, I am busy. And I hear you, all right? My only answer back to that is, I understand. Yep, we're all busy. Doesn't matter, all right? This is the sort of thing that you need to make a priority. This is the sort of thing you need to tune in and be deliberate about each day because it compounds, all right? Every day that you're there, every day you're investing in that extra bit of time, every time you're spending effort trying to discern what God has in store for you. Every time you're trying to think more about how you can follow Him more nearly and how you can live out some of the values, that's how you start to get into a healthy across the board in your life. All right? So if you're genuinely sitting there right now saying, I just don't have time, then I'd suggest what you're actually saying is that five minutes on Facebook while your morning latte is being made is more important than your time with God, all right? That, that extra eight minutes of snooze is more important than taking a few minutes to get into daily relationship. That, um, that extra episode of The Bachelorette, it's just more important, hey, Joe? All right, my point today is this, and I'm really, I'm not here to beat up on anyone about this because I know it's a message that does get communicated so often. I'm here to spur you into making a commitment that lasts beyond this Wednesday, okay? That's the power of everyday prayer that we need to be bringing into our lives. One of the, the quotes that comes to mind when I think about this is, um, there's a, a famous quote from Archimedes who said, if you give me a lever and a place to stand, I will move the earth. I'd say in this case, prayer is our lever and faith is our place to stand. And with those two things, I so sincerely believe we can move the world, all right? You need to be standing strong in faith, 
and using that daily lever. All right, so what I want to start off with firstly is talking about what prayer even is, because depending on where you came into your Christian journey, depending on the, you know, the background that you've gone through, some of the trials you may have had or some of the, the incredible blessings that you've had at various times in your life, you may have different conceptions about what prayer is. Prayer is one of the things more than anything else in, in Christian faith that can get people on edge, all right? And if you doubt that, try asking someone from the congregation to stand up and pray out loud, all right, if you want to understand it. If you want to see how uncomfortable it can make people, try telling someone in a work setting that you're going to pray for them, all right? Everyday prayer is the sort of thing that it comes with all this baggage in people's minds. They, they have these preconceptions about what it is, that it, it, it's like it has to be done a certain way. You know, it's a, it's a MasterChef recipe that if you don't say the exact right words in the right order, um, that it'll just fall flat. And that could not be further from the truth, all right? But let me be equally clear that there is an absolute ocean between begging God, seeking Him out for advice, for provision, for counsel, and making some wish list to a divine Santa, all right? That's where prayer comes into it. Prayer is simply the act of opening our hearts to God. It doesn't need to involve tongues. It doesn't need to be elegant. It doesn't need to be polished. It doesn't need to be spoken. Prayer is just that that honesty, that opening yourself up and being in a place where you can offer yourself up and be truthful with yourself and with God about where you are at in your life right now. There have been several times in my life where, for one reason or another, I've been on my knees in tears, right, on my knees in anguish and just crying out. And I have to say that I have never felt closer to God than when I'm in those moments of absolutely raw, unfiltered, unconstrained emotion where you're just crying out and it's from a deep place in you, from a place in your heart where you're just, you're not trying to polish it, you're not trying to put a political spin on it or try and make it sound fancy, you're just opening yourself up, all right? That's the, that's the essence of prayer that comes through. There's a, a guy called Howard Hendricks, He's a, he was a professor of theology at Yale and he was a long-time chaplain to the... Uh, the Dallas Cowboys NFL team, and he gave, gives a story about the best prayer he had ever heard in his time. I mean, this guy had, you know, been at Yale for 40 plus years, he, so I mean, he'd been around the best and brightest in the world, he'd been in locker rooms with, you know, linebackers, he said the, the most honest prayer he ever heard was from one of his linebackers who thought he was alone in a locker room, and this is what he heard, hi God, it's me. I don't know if you remember me, it's been a while since we talked, but I'm friends with your boy, Professor Hendricks. I just wanted to say thanks. But honestly, I need some more help right now. Is that okay? He said out of the, the thousands of conversions he'd seen over his life, out of you know, enormous uh, conferences and cathedrals of people praying and opening themselves up and eloquent speeches being delivered by bishops. He said that was the one that cut through to him because this guy, I mean, he, 
All he wanted to do was just have a conversation with God and just acknowledge that he'd reached the limit of what he could do. And he wanted to hand it over and ask for help right then. That was from such a raw place. He said that was one of the most powerful prayers he'd ever heard. And so my first point today is this, prayer is a conversation. It is not a speech. Now, conversing and communicating, that's a, a vital part of any relationship. And look, it's one of the first signs that people point to if they're having a, a relationship difficulty. They say, we don't talk anymore. You know, we're, we're not open with one another. Now, that's relatively easy to fix when you share a roof with someone, when you sit down to eat meals or you run into them on a daily basis. But when the other party is God, the only way you can communicate is to take time out of your day and to pray and be in communication. The theologian Bruce Gottschie said this, he said, too often we do our prayers and then we move on. We've taken care of our guilt but we have never really touched the throne. We must make our prayer time personally, personal, talk honestly and listen carefully. See, prayer is the best way to gain perspective, right? To talk through and confess our own limitations, admitting that there's some things we simply can't do, no matter how much we might desperately try, desperately want to do things, there's some things we just can't do. And so, by having that perspective, by coming into it, we're actually humbling ourselves before God. So, already we're acknowledging His divinity, His power, just by the act of coming to Him and saying, I can't do this without you. We're humbling ourselves. In Colossians 1, verses 9 to 10, Paul writes this, he said, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, <laughs> we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. See, Paul says that there's two parts to prayer, right? Praying to discern God's will and praying to do God's will. Right? He says, I will teach you the right way. It wasn't just about prayer. It wasn't just about bringing this laundry list of things that we need help with uh, and trying to rattle through them and, and think of anyone we've missed. It's about firstly saying, God, let your will be done. First and foremost, above all else, let your will be done. And then following that up with saying, you don't have to do all the heavy lifting yourself. I, I'm submitting myself to you. Lord, what do you need of me? What do you ask of me in this place? I'll go, Lord, if you lead me. See, we can't just come to church once a week and spend half an hour and, and lift up these prayers and then walk out back into our normal lives as if nothing's ever happened, as if we've just throwing this handball over the fence and, oh well, it's all up to God now. Uh, I've done my prayer. He's all-powerful. He'll make it come to pass. He can make it all come to pass. But He's given us arms and legs for a reason, all right? He gives us the chance to discern His ways in our lives. Sometimes He needs us to walk through the valley. Sometimes He needs us to take that first step and to actually 
before he provides miraculously for us to step out in faith. So for prayer, there's the, the praying to discern, but there's also, there has to be a prayer to go and do, go and step out. Chronicles, uh, 2 Chronicles 7.14 says this, and I mean, this, is, this brings us all together for this Everyday uh, Habits series. It says, if people humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, not just pray and submit yourselves, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. Prayer is the trigger for us to take action as well. Confident, and this is the key part, confident that we have the right perspective, that we've taken time out to understand what God wants us to do and we don't just, uh, we haven't decided for ourselves how everything will run its course. We don't know the plans God has for us, but we have His promise that they're plans to prosper us. So if we're going to trust Him, then we have to trust that we can step out in His uh in his ways. The second point is this, remember who you're talking to and for those who aren't in a daily prayer habit, remember who you're keeping waiting, right? Psalms 68, 5 to 6 describes God like this, say, a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, God sets the lonely in families, He leads forth the prisoners with singing. 1 Timothy 6.15 says this, He is the blessed and only Sovereign, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light. To Him be honour and eternal dominion. And then 2 Corinthians 6 says this, that I will be a father to you and you'll be like my sons and daughters. God is limitless and unlimitable. He both caused the entire universe to come into being and He cares about how your specific day is going. He can reconcile that. He can balance all the needs. He can think about how the world will come to pass and He can also be so concerned with how you're doing emotionally right now. When we pray, we're talking to both the Creator of the universe and to our very personal and perfect Father. So never feel like anything is too big or too small to be bringing before God. Never feel like anything is, is too petty or you're not going to waste God's time with that. That's something you just have to deal with yourself. Christian history is overflowing with these incredible examples of miraculous answer to prayer. There's a, a story I want to share with you and it came to mind. Who's seen Dunkirk? Cinemas this year, yeah? There's one part of it that, there's one part of the story that I, I think is quite incredible and, and wasn't in there and it's part about the, the miracle of Dunkirk, all right? Un, absolutely, there was the military and political aspect to it. For those of you who don't know, in, in uh, 1940, um, Nazi Germany was advancing across Europe, just everyone was falling in their path. Right, they, they were decimating the Allied armies. And within days of Belgium's surrender, there were hundreds of thousands of Allied forces effectively cornered onto a beach in uh, Western France. And 
German high command started sending out these pamphlets saying, you're surrounded, we will annihilate you, we will wipe the English forces from the earth. And that was a view that was shared by most of the English leadership at the time. All right? Prime Minister Churchill was preparing this address um, saying that you know, there had been the most catastrophic loss of life, that half a million of the English sons had died. And they came up with several plans of how they would try and, and rescue some of the forces, but I said the best estimates at the time were out of the 400,000 Allied forces, they could maybe get about 30,000. So less than 10% is what they could rescue. And Churchill was never known as a, uh, a, a God-fearing man. He was the English bulldog. He trusted in himself and in his own powers and abilities. But King George at the time was a pillar of the church, all right? And he declared a national week of prayer. So the day that the evacuation was meant to start was a Sunday. He said the, the week leading up to that would be a national week of prayer and the Sunday would be a national day of prayer. And he said, every Englishman needs to get out, go to their church and pray together. And in his address, he, he called for the people of the United Kingdom to turn back to God in a spirit of repentance and plead for divine help. This goes back to the, the scripture from before, from 2 Chronicles. Uh, I forgot that. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear them and I'll forgive their sin and heal their land. So three incredible things happened in the subsequent five days that led up to it. I've had the misfortune of sailing the English Channel a couple of times and it is a miserable stretch of ocean, all right? It's just this soup of mist 90% of the time. It's choppy, it's, it's pretty miserable. In the five days over this week of prayer, there was a superstorm over eastern France and it grounded the entire Luftwaffe Air Force. So for a week where the Allied forces were hedged in, couldn't escape, couldn't evacuate, couldn't do anything. The Air Force couldn't take off to go and attack them. There was an unprecedented high-pressure system over the English Channel. As the, um, the British chief meteorologist said at the time that a great calm has descended on the Channel, the likes of which have not been seen by, for a generation. I said that this miserable Channel cleared. It was as smooth as a mill pond. That's what allowed the hundreds of civilian fishing boats to cross. And I said, finally and completely inconceivably, Hitler ordered his armies to stop. So they, they were on the verge of breaking through. Within 24 hours, the, the tanks would have overrun the position. I said that it, he was travelling through and he ordered a, a halt. And this specific order, they said, was so out of character for him that historians still can't figure out why he gave this halt order. Um, and a lot of them have, have traced it to, um, this is one of the causes for the start of the assassination plots against him because it showed that he, it seemed to show he had this chaotic mind. Do we have the, the photo there, Matt, just to put up? This is the queue to get to a London cathedral on the National Day of Prayer. I said, on the population at the time, over 90% of Londoners turned out to church on the Day of Prayer. I said it was just overflowing. There, there were spontaneous congregations and church services happening in parks over the city. Everyone had turned out to pray for the English relief. And so the day of this evacuation that was happening, 
you had over 800 vessels answering this call. You had an entire city coming out in prayer for one another. And so by the time the German army was finally ordered to start its attack again, over 338,000 troops had been snatched from the beaches in 72 hours. And this is, this is a plan they thought 30,000 would be the best case. They rescued over 330,000. And many of them were, you know, to come back four years later to, to undertake the liberation of Europe. And so the, the following Sunday was called the National Day of Thanksgiving. I said everyone came out again and for, prayed for the miracle at Dunkirk. He said it was the first time in his public address Winston Churchill had ever used the word miracle when he described the events that happened at Dunkirk. Right? When you are talking to the creator of the universe who cares about you so deeply, you can't help but come to the conclusion that God is able to do immeasurably more than you can think, than you can imagine, than you can see, than you can plan for. If they were planning for 30,000 and they came together in corporate prayer and he did over a thousand times what they were expecting to to deliver, that's why we gather in connect groups, right? That's why we have these all-in church prayer nights. You cannot underestimate the power of collective prayer. When people come together, when they make it a daily habit, when they pray for their city, when they pray for relief, when they pray for healing for their land, you can't underestimate what God will do and how powerfully He'll sweep into your lives. All right? Can you imagine the blessings that we would unlock if Sydney came together, if we had overflowing services, if we had parks spontaneously cropping up in a single day of prayer? That's the community that we can reach together through prayer. In prayer, we are talking to the great I am. Right? He crafted mankind with his own hands and there is nothing impossible if we are honest, if we humble ourselves and if we commit ourselves. All right, point number three is this. Prayer is a solemn privilege for us. All right, compared to the Old Testament times, compared to the, the other religions practiced around the world, prayer is something that we alone have a personal connection to Christ with, a personal ability to tap into that great I am. Right, Charles Spurgeon said this, it is one of the greatest Christian privileges to be permitted to pray. If you look at uh, Hebrews chapter 4, it says this, Since then, we have a, high, a great high priest who passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathise with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. It continues in chapter 10, Therefore, all, since we have the confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and the living way that opened for us through the curtain. We pray today that the veil tore before Him. All right? That's not just a a lyric, that's not just a a piece of Scripture that forms part of the the narrative of Jesus' power. That's something transformative. Right? That's something that, that no other religion enjoys. That's something that no other people can access unless you have Christ as your salvation. Right? When Christ tore that veil, we're talking about the, the curtain that covered the Holy of Holies in the temple. 
the one that blocked the access to the Ark of the Covenant, where God's physical presence dwelt on earth. He's saying that in Christ's death, He literally and figuratively tore that barrier, that last obstacle that was keeping us from God. So now we have that direct connection. How dare we say we're too busy to access that? How dare we not take every opportunity to get into that direct communion, that direct communication with God? It cost him his life. The blameless Son of God had to die for us to have that connection. Why wouldn't we be seizing it with both hands, getting into that relationship with our Father? Because the other part of this privilege is that we're being trusted, we're empowered, we're we're anointed to pray for other people. Right? Who's been in that work situation where someone comes to you and asks you to put in a good word with your boss for them? All right? Or um, you know, you, someone sends you to a meeting to speak on their behalf, to negotiate a deal for them. Right? There is no greater honour than being asked to stand in the gap for someone, than being asked to stand as their intercessor, as their, their champion, Intercessory prayer, that, that prayer where you beseech God on behalf of others, right? that's part of the process of becoming like Christ. He offered himself up as the, the conduit between sinners and between God and he wearied himself, he allowed himself to be broken and humiliated on our behalf because he knew that the spiritual commitment to intercede is just as important as physical provision for someone and physically helping them. Praying for others is never wasted, regardless of whether or not you can see the immediate benefits or whether, you know, it takes 20, 30, 70 years to come to pass. All right, I, the way I think about it is uh, the way of Noah sending out the dove. All right, if there's no home for it, if there's no place for your prayer to land, it'll come back to you. But if it doesn't come back, then you can be sure that somewhere, some way, somehow, it's found its home. That prayer has gone out and that blessing will come to pass. We, we don't know and we can't know how many of our prayers, how many of our blessings we owe to others. All right? We don't know whether we're here today because uh, our grandmother on her deathbed prayed that we would know Jesus. We don't know whether we're here because uh, a friend prayed for us to be safe riding the the new motorcycle we just had to have, all right? And that prayer of protection has covered us from day then to day now. We don't know whether or not we're here because we have the blessing of a job that our partner beseeched on our behalf. If you take nothing else away from today, please know this. The consequences of your prayers will ripple further and deeper than you could ever imagine. Even if you can't see the immediate benefits, even if it seems like nothing's happening, even if it's just words to you at the moment, if you make that commitment to get into daily prayer, to pray for others, to pray for deeper connection with God, then those ripples will go out into the world and they will transform the world. That's what makes prayer so powerful and that's what makes prayer a privilege for us. And the the final point that I'll end on is this, and this is the, this is the crux of it, because I, I think everything else, you know, people know about that, you know, the importance of prayer, you know, the, the connection and the, 
the power that it brings. The point I want to finish on is this. If you don't have a daily prayer habit, I want you to commit yourselves now to spending just five minutes a day. Just five minutes locking yourself here in communion with God. Pastor Nicole said a couple of weeks ago um, that if you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. I'd do my own version and say, if you show me your calendar, I'll show you your priorities. All right? We busy ourselves with so many things, you know, if we've got a spare night at home, you know, we try and find friends or family to catch up with or chores we want to tick off the list. Prayer is a priority that you can make and you have to make that decision to put it into your life. And I hear there's, there's two justifications people always use. You know, no matter the setting it's in, no matter how long you've been a Christian, it's either you're too busy or you just have trouble concentrating. I'd say no one has the time to do everything they want to do. No one has 27 hours in a day where they can magically make extra time appear. It may shock you to hear, but I'm quite a rigid person with my routine. All right, my day goes on autopilot according to my Outlook calendar. All right, I get my little alert pop up saying I need to be in meeting room X at this time. I'm there. All right, that's what drives me. But you need to find a way to make that work for you. For me, it was my time on the bus in the morning. Now, I, I don't need to sit there and scroll through the news or scroll through emails on my way into work. I've got 20 minutes there where I can just sit down, I can put a worship song on, I can just close out the world. And just spend just a few minutes just talking to God. That, that's how I've had to make it work. I, personally, I've tried making the, you know, getting up at 5 a.m. Um, we've got an 11-month-old. That doesn't work so well anymore, setting aside an hour in the morning. Um, equally at night, you know, I mean, the lives get busy. I get that. I really do. But you have to find a way to fit it into your schedule. That's a decision that only you can make. So first action is this. Give prayer priority in your schedule. Start with five minutes. The second one, you know, people have trouble concentrating. And again, you know, I, I get that. If you're in your own head for too long and things keep going on, you, you run down rabbit holes. Right? Who started a song that they just love and they've had to restart it several times because you've zoned out and you feel like you haven't properly enjoyed the chorus when it's come around, right? You're not ready for it. Uh, I get that. Um, Everyone has trouble concentrating. Everyone's mind wanders if, if you're left there long enough. I'd compare it to whether or not you catch up with your friends once a year or every fortnight. You know, you know if you catch up with your friends once in a blue moon, you've got this laundry list of things to catch up about. You, you just look for the highlights and you cover off on those and then two weeks later you go, oh, I didn't even tell them about this. You know, it's a, it's a minor detail. I'm not going to waste my time on it. If you're only praying to God once a week, then you're only going to be thinking about these big ticket items in your mind. And there's nothing wrong with that, but that's not a personal connection, all right? Again, you're just throwing up the big issues and walking away and expecting God to do the heavy lifting. If you're catching up with someone on a weekly basis, then you're getting to understand the, the nitty-gritty details of their life, all right? You're understanding the small things that occupy their time, the small anxieties that play on their mind. You don't have to spend your time talking about the, the enormous trip that you have coming up. You can talk about little issues that are plaguing you. If you have an everyday prayer habit, that's how you get into constant communion with God and you can lift all these things up. You don't have to just detail off the salvation for family, healing for friends, protection at work, 
you can talk about your anxieties if you have that constant narrative, that constant conversation going with him. Only you know what it takes to make a commitment. Everyone has a different personality, they have different drivers. Some people find a diet or a fitness plan incredibly easy to do. They make a decision and it's done. Other people need an external um, check and balance. You're in a church right now where everyone is pulling with you. If you need a prayer partner, if you need someone to keep you accountable, talk to someone here, reach out, get into that connection where you can check in and pray with each other each day or, you know, follow up on each other and hold yourself accountable. For other people, it's just a matter of getting back into the Word of God. Prayer is mentioned over 650 times in the Bible, right? That is not a coincidence. There is a power in it. There is a need in it. And it's, it's the way we connect with our Father. And that's His desire for us, to be in relationship with Him. You can't be in relationship if you're only talking once a week, if you're only talking once a month or once a year. If you're in a deep relationship, you're talking daily, you're in constant communication. So whatever it takes, you have a new opportunity in about 13 hours' time, all right, to start a daily prayer habit. That's what I want to leave you with today, is just commit to, commit to five minutes a day. Prayer is powerful. A prayer is just a conversation with God. Prayer is an absolute privilege. But God cares about everything. It doesn't just have to be the big ticket items. If you commit to five minutes a day and you work on this as a habit, then I promise you, you will see incredible change in your lives. You'll see an incredible spirit of peace descend on you, a spirit of reassurance and of comfort and security because you know that you're in constant communication if you're spending the time each day humbling yourself and realizing where your own limitations are then you're actually emphasizing god's power because you are so much more aware of how small you are in the scheme it doesn't matter whether you've been a christian for 50 years or for 50 seconds prayer is a powerful part and i just I can't encourage you enough to seize that. Why don't we stand? I'd just like to to finish with a prayer for everyone here today. So with every head bowed and every eye closed. God, I realise we've not always lived our lives the way you've asked. We've struggled in our own strength rather than submitting ourselves fully before you. We've not always given you the place of honour in our day. Lord, we need you in our lives. Lord, we want you in our lives every day. We acknowledge the completed work of Jesus Christ. We acknowledge that by Him and through Him, we have access to a relationship with the Creator. Lord, we long to receive Your blessing and Your forgiveness and Your provision and the relationship that You promise. And we know that what You promise stands eternal. 
Lord, we will make you a priority in our life. We promise to come to you first with honesty, with sincerity. We will trust in your mighty hand to save and we will give thanks and praise for your glory. Lord, my days are in your hands. We ask this through Jesus' most precious, most holy, most glorious name. Everyone said, Amen.